listen, American Crime Story. What was they had the one with um with the designer, didn't they? Yeah, it was uh Versace was yeah. the second season and OJ was the first season. OJ and Versace, they had Cuba Gooding Jr. doing OJ. And then in the Versace one they had the the one from Glee. Uh-huh. That's you know, what an interesting actor, Darren. His name's Darren. His right? name's yeah, I believe so. I have a, I have a, my buddy Johnny who is very gay. Uh, has an obsession to the point. It's really funny because he's into like serial killers and like horror movies and like really dark shit. But also like this, he also has like a mural of this dude <laughs> in his room, like a teenage girl. It's very. Funny I get to it me. though. I think he is. And, you know, like, who knows on a personal level, you know, what Darren Chris is doing and thinking, but they really, they really put a, um, it's a gay desirable look on him that is slightly effeminate in certain ways, but then they hold on to those very masculine parts to make sure that it's like a little ambiguous looking for everyone. And then he goes in there and he's doing the Versace murderer role and just feminine it up a little bit and you're like we knew it was in there but we don't know how much of it is real and then he they give him an award for it and so you go well they they're saying it's good acting but it feels real to me and like that's the core of hollywood is is the kayfabe of what is being presented to you what part of that is thought up in a in a brainstorm meeting somewhere what part of that is a part of the diversity focus group that wants to reflect your desires so darren chris reach out we want to know how much of this is you how much of this is them what's the secret that's so uh, that makes me think so there's been a rumor forever that tom cruise has been like super duper in the closet right and like the real reason is that his career started at a point to where it would have been like impossible for him to come out yeah even with like the amount of power that he has and everything but it would make sense that like every time he does something like slightly flamboyant or like non-action starry, we go, "Oh, you have weird range, Tom Cruise." But maybe the like was like Rock of Ages, just like him being himself for the whole movie. I don't know. Like it felt good, <clears throat> but I I also think like this is I want to pitch a show on just kayfabes, and I think people understand it a little bit. But like Rick Rubin was talking about it the other day of, of how. Everything is pro wrestling. Everything is kayfabed, you know, from politics to TV to all of these things. I think we've got to explore more of those kayfabes. The Tom Cruise kayfabe to me, and as someone who's read parts of Dianetics, just to know, you know, like Peter. <laughs> it is on your bookshelf. <laughs> I, we didn't jump into this with any introduction of you, you know, necessarily. And I kind of like the mystery of that. But I also, you know, we'll figure out what we share of you, I guess, and what. You know, you're not a wrestling guy though. First, no. I'm before not. I jump into this, Mm-mm. and you used to have a different podcast about religion. We've discussed, you know, our histories in the yeah. You very worlds. graciously were one of our guests. People should listen to that episode. You know, that I'm stealing you now for my podcast use, but we really got into some stuff, learned about each other's histories. You have fascinating history. We don't have to get into all that, but we'll get into it down the line. I like leaving these breadcrumbs for everyone t- so that they'll Perfect. eventually understand it. our relationship uh-huh. which i think is it's one of the most fascinating i've had in a while um you've you've let me confirm some fun weirdnesses and i don't know how else to put it you're laughing right now but that's okay that's so dianetics statement. the kayfabe of that dianetic stuff i'm sitting here thinking you read the book and you go this is wild it gets a little wilder and the way they sell the book now is so you get right to the point of like 
the thetans and everything. Uh, there's a lot of like forwards added for understanding, but I think there's a big kayfabe there. I mean, you've seen what's homeboy's name? Uh, L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard. L. R. H. If you're in, I think the the polite casual term is uh, flamboyance. There's a slight flamboyance mm-hmm. to him, and you th- hear about the amount of money they're having to pay to stay in there. You hear about the amount of money and the you know the issues with. Uh, lower level people being treated certain ways and things. I think it's a big kayfabe. I think it's a cover up kayfabe of we'll keep all of you protected. We'll make them think you're a weirdo religious guy. You can, you can come out on the boats with us. You know what I mean? Who doesn't like a yacht party? Oh my goodness. I don't know. We're probably going to get sued now. Because no, you no, no, be no, no. This, okay. Cause this makes a lot of sense. So a lot of the ideas that L. Ron Hubbard got, if you, if you call him LRH, you sound like you're a Scientologist. So I just try to, as much as okay. fun as it is to use When you're discussing LRH and his yeah, exactly. uh, views. You sound like you're in, <laughs> you're in the, you're in the club. Exactly. Uh, but he, he learned a lot. He got a lot of his stuff from um, he was friends with Jack Parsons, the rocket scientist who both him and Hubbard were Thelemites, which was Aleister Crowley's uh, magical group. Are you familiar with Aleister Crowley at all? Yeah, I've done I've done my research on Aleister Crowley in certain ways. And I will say this. No offense to anyone. What a showman. Oh, absolutely. One hundred percent. What a showman. And I think. I think back to a few people I knew in college who were, you know, big fans of Aleister Crowley and big fans of his methods of, you know, achieving bliss and magic. And I mean, basically, his he had a big butthole thing too. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of his methods, he was a power bottom. He was, yeah, more like it wasn't just a power bottom. He was like a, a power vessel bottom. Like it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. spiritual power. He was like bottom. the only way to absorb this world is. You know, <laughs> exactly. through my bussy. Exactly. <laughs> Hashtag bussy, best tag team on the planet. So you're, what I'm saying ultimately is that your boat theory, your yacht theory might have, might hold some water. I don't know. We, we're going to get deeper into it, but I think this is, it's probably what went down with Anthony Bourdain, sadly. You get too close to the sun, you pull oh that goodness. Icarus and the wings burn off. So Have you watched that documentary? I refuse to. I do too. I refuse I can't, to watch it. I, he would hate it. They made up his voice. They AI'd the man's voice. Are you kidding me? Come on. Come on, dude. No way. I can't. I have trouble watching the shows now. And like, what's what's the first book he wrote? Chef's Journey? I think that was it. Incredible. One of my favorite books. I think it was, uh, if we're going to, Cooking People Might Get, I think it was No Res- Reservations. That was the that show. It? Yeah. That for was sure. the show. But the first book he put out before they even gave him the show, maybe it was a cook's tour. Kitchen like, Coach of Confidential. That's what it was. Was right? it? Was that the first one? He had a cook's we have the internet confidential. I'm not, no I don't care why. enough right now to do it. I'm pitching my kayfabe show. We need, I'm going to need like 10 grand under what the impractical jokers get per episode for this kayfabe show. It's going to be interesting. What? Okay. What? So hold on. Like, okay. Pin, pin in that for just like a half second. I watched your Sam, uh, Sam Roberts. Yeah. Sam Roberts. Yeah. I, was, I get Sam's mixed up. I watched your Sam Roberts interview and you were immediately talking about your motivation for getting into wrestling was to basically like poke the dragon and see if it was like, in fact, real. Yeah, full Icarus. Um, What's going to be the one. So it makes me, but you were talking about like, why wouldn't they, and this is bad that this was the thing that I glammed onto, but you're talking about like, we have green screen technology. Like why can't John Cena just, 
green screen in like a CGI version of her, like, yeah. you know, like teleprompting or like whatever the hell it is that they're doing. TV production's easy. Pal. But I mean, this, so with the with the Anthony Bourdain thing, they're just now telling us that it's an AI voice. Like how right. much stuff has already been done that, but this is them like getting us used to the idea. It is nerve wracking because I start thinking about, you know, the WWE is about to get sold to Disney and Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, very soon. And they've shed a lot of things, and they're going in new directions to try to make that happen. And what I worry about is that all these performers at the Performance Center are going to get in. They're going to end up getting put in these sort of recreation productions. And this is like me being conspiracy brain, but hear me out. You're hired at the WWE because you're good at performing the moves, filling time, taking direction, doing what is necessary. You're being directed in a way. You're being given your lines, your role, your character. And when I think about selling it to Disney and what they're going to get money out of, there's going to be a lot of like guys who are used for mocap to recreate old matches from people who are dead because that'll pull people in and that'll sell pay-per-views to be like, uh, see a real life interaction of like the rock at his prime versus Lou, Lou, uh, Lou Thez in 1958 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like they're mm -hmm. going to, I think that's where the property and licensing goes with that. We're getting off topic here, Peter. So what about your kayfabe show? You said you have a, yeah, yeah. I just think that we have to start exploring that. You know, I think wrestling's honest in that it tells you sort of, and it didn't for a long time. And guys still now are like protect the fabe, but my brain goes in a different direction, which is like, what is the new kayfabe? And what is the new way we work people in a way that isn't, you know, making them feel stupid when I think of all the kayfabes out there of, you know, Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather getting on a plane after almost getting in a fight on the stage, you know, Jake Paul winning a boxing match against a real boxer via split decision there, you know, Nancy Pelosi hanging out with uh, Mitch McConnell and high fiving and doing whiskey shots together after acting like they were both fighting for each side that believes in them. It's all kayfabe. Right. And, you know, exploring that, I feel like it would be, it would be uh, too detrimental almost to the grand American public for me to go into the kayfabes because they'd, they'd fight it, I think. Because, you know, what's the season finale, brother? It's uh, the ultimate kayfabe. Do we even have to... Uh, they'll, they'll understand the ultimate kayfabe. Right. We can't give them everything today. Okay, let's pivot and talk about your weekend. <laughs> My weekend. Welcome to uh, Weekend at Effie's. I'm Effie. Uh, I'm, I'm Peter. I'm Taylor, really. You've yeah. known me as Taylor since we met. I would never call you. At, it would be weird yeah. if all of a sudden I was like, it's What's faster up, to Effie? get my attention at a show if it's busy to just go, Effie, Effie. I always respond. What if I was just like, William? <laughs> William, please. <laughs> hey there, uh, this is Billy. Uh, I'm excited to have you here. Excited to have you be a part of the congregation, feel a little fellowship. That's my. That's an alter ego that could come. Don't fall for that kayfabe. My God. So speaking of kayfabes, you've told me what your name means, and I wasn't sure if you were fucking with me or not when you told me. Because I have a lot of kayfabes on the name. Um, you told me that it was short for Ephraim, right? From the Bible, biblical name, meaning bearing much fruit, the fruit bearer. And honey, I'm bearing fruit everywhere I go, darling. There's so much fruit to bear. Uh, yeah, that was so. Yeah, and but, I think I got that one specifically because we do talk about uh, religious stuff quite a bit. Yeah, uh, I also just like if I'm in the mood, I'll I'll tell people you know it's an acronym, 
that means electric, fantastic, and fuck you. And I like having that spirit in it. I've talked about that before, though. Okay, we got to talk about this weekend. Because okay, was, let's talk about it. It was not that long of a weekend, but it felt like literal... Like, I went back in time. I do have to spoil that for you. I went through a time machine and through a portal into the 1920s eventually. But that's like, we're going to get to that part. Because first, I went to Denver. <laughs> why Why did that pop you so hard? Why did Denver pop you so it hard? It was the timing. It you was the timing. about time travel. I went back like, in time. But first, we went to Denver. <laughs> first, I went to Denver. and We were in ancient Rome for a little bit, but first, we had to go to Denver. Well, I was nervous about going to... I've never wrestled in Denver. I have a lot of friends in Denver. And I had come through Denver to do that Wyoming show that we did recently, but... I wasn't in Denver for long or proper. And the last time I was there was me and AJ w- went on a little ski vacation. Oh, yeah. I remember For like that. two days where I saw that on the ski lift, someone had sharpied Joe Biden equals dictator at the <laughs> ski resort in Breckenridge. They had written Joe Biden equals dictator on the ski lift. Um, Figure that out on your own. Oh, yeah. So it was it like, is. I'm not usually in Denver for business business. And the promoter was like, listen, we want you to be a surprise. He's like, I sell tickets either way. We want you to be a surprise. And it sounds well and dandy, but it makes me nervous because what if there's someone who's like, I would go to that show if Effie was there, but I'm just going to skip it. And then I'm there. Why didn't you tell me? I right. think that way. Yeah. Like that It fills my heart with concern. But I said, okay, whatever. I'll do it. And I got to Denver and... I didn't want to pay for the Uber because you know that Denver is like that airport is like way out there. Have you been in that airport before? A long time ago. It's fucked. It is. It's deep fucked. And I won't get it. Y'all can go Google it on your own. I'm not. Is it just one of those airports that just doesn't buy anything? It's so far away and it's creepily far away and it's in this weird field and there's a horse that killed the man who made the horse and there's underground conspiracies and there's like signs where they're like, oh, there's a conspiracy. Here isn't there, which makes me think there's even worse shit going on in the Denver airport. Either way, they have a beautiful light rail service out of a giant building that looks like Ray-Bans. You just go down the giant Ray-Ban building. I'm telling you, it looks like a, it's the creepiest place I've ever been. I've had many weird things happen to me. I've been in that airport many times. I always have weird moments in there. I think, I think, uh, I probably shouldn't spill this, but I'm going to tell you one experience. No, I won't tell you that one. Either way, I got on the light train. I got on the light train. And it's $10, but you just drive through nothingness for a while. Nothing. Just fields on both sides. You can see mountains in the distance, light rail. And there's heavy air conditioning on the light rail, but it shut off at one point. It's silent out there. The light rail's silent. The land is silent. What? Everything is It's just when all this, it was... You're like, that must be the train. Uh-huh. No. It's the air conditioning. It cuts silence like that. Like I was like, Oh God. But then you pull into town and I was a little sad because one of my good friends is in the, he's in the cannabis business out there. And if he had known that I was in town, you're sad that he's ruined his life by being involved in such a terrible thing. I'm sad. I didn't get in with him because he's got like 14 dispensaries now (laughs) and they just can't stop printing money. Uh, But usually he'll bring me a sack of goodies because he knows I'm coming, it doesn't matter. He, you know, he's in charge of the inventory. But I wasn't allowed to tell anyone I was coming. It really needed to be a surprise, and so I missed out. So I had to go to a dispensary on my own, which fantastic. Colorado has it down pat. I go to you go to Massachusetts, not fun. Michigan, not fun. 
Uh, Illinois, really not fun. All, all these places are getting the weed. Even Vegas, you're like kind of over it. It's a lot. Colorado, Washington, California, they've, they've come far enough to where it's like, it's a very relaxed, fun service adventure. Mm. I had a great time. Go to the hotel. Gonna be a surprise. Now, he did hook me up, the promoter of this Denver show. Put me on first, dude. He said, we got to kick off the show wild. He said, not an opening match. Do a main event match. Go crazy. Like, y'all hate each other for real forever. Go nuts. They're going to be surprised. And, like, most of the crowd that comes to these, it's called Lucha Libre and Laughs. It's a guy from comedy and music who runs the beautiful Oriental Theater in Denver, Colorado. And, I mean, it's a, it's a gorgeous building. The ring is on the stage. There's tons of people there. Double story, balcony, beautiful. Oh, goodness. But you're also going, okay, well, like, I know I'm an indie star. I know I'm an independent wrestler that goes a lot of places. Is Denver, Colorado, and most of these, like, it felt like there were some bachelorette parties there. It felt like there were just some people wanting to drink. I was like, are they going to know me? It's like 50-50, some wrestling fans, some not wrestling fans. Whew, they hit that music. They let me out on that stage. It was, no joke, I felt like it was like 1988 again. I mean, it was like... They were blasting. They were wild. We wrestled and fought all over the damn building. We're breaking chairs. We're we're throwing oh, beers. You know, we're hitting all the big things, and they're going nuts the whole time. And I was like, "This is." You go to some wrestling shows where you've got these people who I call them statistical kayfavers, which is like they're really into win loss records. They're really into like Kimura locks and wrist holds. They're really into like you know, championship statistics. And like, that's what works for them. I'm not shaming that, but it does. It misses the point for me most of the time. Mm. But these people are more into just like rowdy kayfabe, which is like, what the fuck's happening around us? And I worked this guy named Anaya and he, it was his birthday. It was Anaya's birthday. And I said, let's go nuts. Anaya. And he didn't really know me. I don't really know him. We barely called the match, which is like my new favorite thing which not to bring everybody into the fold a hundred percent, but like there was just a very brief conversation of this, that, eh, maybe here. Boom. We were vibing. We were throwing. He was hitting me with crazy shit. I was hitting him with crazy shit. Nothing we had talked about. That's like, like, is it real? And it's like, it shouldn't be, you know, but it, but it is because what's real is we're doing it in front of you. I like, I can't wait for, Daniel Day Lewis to come knocking at my fucking door and he's like, I just have to feel it. And I was like, feel what Daniel Day Lewis? And he's like, there's only one real acting and it's professional wrestling. It's immediate and raw and physical and it's recorded by others, but not yourself. You're like, yeah, I know Daniel Day Lewis, like go be Lincoln again. And you know, have six takes per scene. We're a one and done art artistry here while I create my stories either way went nuts and then what was beautiful is like he is a person the promoter is a person who comes from not necessarily wrestling and so they treat us like they would treat musicians and comedians and regular other entertainers and they treat us very well and they had green rooms and they had waters and if you drink they had beers and we went out for dinner we got pizza we had fun we went over to the after party they really took care of us and it was like we need more of these people who are not from wrestling to come in and go hey you guys are allowed to be treated decently and you're allowed to be treated normally. And uh, the people who love the wrestling too much who are promoters, they're all working us. That's the third kayfabe. We'll deal deal with that another time. When the office works you, we don't like that. But Denver was perfect. It was beautiful. And 
I got asked to do shows on that Saturday, multiple shows. And I said, no, because I'm going to go to Cleveland and see all my friends that live in Cleveland. And, um, none of them were there. I didn't, I didn't sleep much that Friday night and my flight was pretty early. I think I got a little baby nap in, but then I go straight to Cleveland and I thought the promoter was going to be picking me up, but then I got great news because Dick Justice picked me up. Now you don't know Dick Justice and I have to, what's crazy is I was such a fan of Dick Justice when I was starting and he was doing such weird, wild comedy strange wrestling where he's like a pretend cop with a finger gun and the kayfabe is real and it's incredible but at the time when I was first working with Missy Hyatt in South Georgia who people will recognize if they're wrestling fans on here she was also working angles with Dick Justice in AIW up in Cleveland where there was like fake marriages and craziness and Jock Sampson was involved and there was double turns and things and I was like well she's working with me they're working there like maybe we'll work something out and now, you know, after she didn't do anything and, you know, kind of pretended South Georgia didn't exist, which we all have those days. I get it. And I'm not offended by it. Maybe someday South Georgia is tough for people to comprehend. But I'm like now getting picked up at the airport by someone I was like, man, years ago, we should have been doing crazy shit together. And now I'm like, brother, you got to get back in the fold because the show we're doing, we have to go into a time machine in Cleveland on Sunday. It's called Old Wrestling. And it takes place in the 1920s. And you have to... Have you ever played Assassin's Creed? <laughs> yes. You know, you like you kind of find someone. You're like, here's this person who lived back in time. We're going to go inside their bodies. The animus or whatever. It's what it is. You basically are... I'm going into one of my ancestors. You inhabit your ancestors and become them for old wrestling. And Dick Justice recently came out of an injury. He was powerlifting. He was doing some cool stuff. But he was injured and he's coming out of it. And this was his first match in like two years. And luckily, Saturday night, we all got to just like hang out in this cool vintage house. We got to, you know, there's like a real 70s bathroom. It was fun. We ate tacos. We went down to the lake. Lucy's joining me right now. Lucifer is a, a canine vessel. Are you looking? I'm getting kisses right now. But we got to go out on the lake. We got to go out on the water. Are you okay? Yeah. You're, are you worried about Dick Justice? Don't be worried. Okay. It was fun. We had a beautiful Saturday night in Sandusky, Ohio, right near Cleveland. Now, I know you smile at the name, but we have to bring a golden name back to Sandusky, Ohio. We have to, we have to, we have to ignore the, the other name associated with that because Sandusky, Ohio was beautiful. Myself and Dick Justice and Dick Justice's female friend and... Um, Marion Fontaine, we took the town, we ate tacos, like I said, and then we got a good night's rest because we had to go in the time machine the next day. And, and it's pretty physically intensive time travel. They, they said say. we shouldn't have eaten the tacos before oh, the time no. machine because the, the food goes back in time too. So gotcha. like, it's, it's a hard process to describe. But this was going to be a really exciting afternoon Does show. the food experience like a Michael J. Fox kind of thing where his parents are disappearing if there's not like a cultural... Uh, like if you eat like zesty 
buffalo chicken wings and that wasn't really a thing back in the 1920s you know they would just see like their family photo of chicken wings well yeah you got to think about the carbon cycles of life and understand that like what is a taco now may not have been then and those cells that you are eating that are now existing as corn or beef or tomatoes may have existed as other cells previously in this timeline and so as you return you know by about a hundred years what you're finding is boom oh my god this taco may have been part of an anvil or may have been part of a boat or may have been part of something else. So you're really taking a risk of what that carbon was in that timeline by consuming it. It was a, it was a strange bathroom journey after, but we have, we've got to go back in time. Uh, this weekend coming up, I'm going to be in Hoffman estates, Illinois, kind of Chicago, uh, Illinois. And I'm going to be in a war games match, which is two, wrestling rings put together a cage over it and i've got a fight on my team against team 440 and i'm describing this because when i went back in time i inhabited my um daredevil ancestor fe davidson motorcycle stuntman extraordinaire and i'm delighted by what you did there yes (laughs) and i was fighting a fellow named judge hugo lexington black who is an ancestor of Ricky Shane Page, the leader of 440. We have heat, brother, okay? And I got to inhabit the role of this, and I believe he was also a smuggler of the time, F.E. Davidson. He wore black denims and leather gloves and uh, a little hat, and he had a baby ponytail of blonde, which, I mean, you're looking at some of this. <laughs> There's similarities with F.E. Davidson and who you see before you today. But Effie Davidson also rode a motorcycle, and so I had to fight this judge, and I entered the building as my ancestor on this motorcycle, and I had sunglasses on, and it's it's not like a dirt bike that has like a neutral, like you can rev it, you can put it into gear, you do it. Like, it's just go. And I roll in, and I think like, I'm making excuses here a little, but with the sun, with the sunglasses, with everything, I didn't realize how close the people were. Oh, no. And I almost... <laughs> slammed into this woman with my motorbike. And at that moment, I was like, the motorbike's turning off. We're done with the motorbike. And I knew I needed to use it later as a part of this spectacular Uh back in time. But I said, we're just going to turn off the motorbike. And proceeded to have, you know, we were worried that the gay would be too much. We were also worried that the gay wouldn't shine through. Turns out, honey, I can't not be gay because I'm out there and just leather and I took a picture out by one of the fairground barns because that's where they would traditionally do shows in the 1920s and it's me in this leather you can see it on Instagram with the phrase just swine swine is all that's written on the building above me and I mean this thing looks it couldn't look gayer it couldn't like Rob Halford would be <laughs> yeah, like yeah that's literally I thought you were doing a Rob Halford thing right, right. I didn't realize like what they that told was. me to turn it I'm a 1920s motorcycle biker okay F.E. Davidson. Turns out my ancestor is pretty gay. It was good to find out that the, there was a historic lineage there. But I'm fighting this judge, Hugo Lexington Black, and he's got a butler. I got to beat up the butler. The people are vibing. I'm vroom vrooming. That was the big thing for F.E. Davidson. He liked to go vroom vroom. Uh, and then I vroom vroomed too hard and got distracted, and a giant judge's gavel crushed the ribs and conquered F.E. Davidson. 
but not before I ran that little motorcycle over his feet and crushed all of Judge Hugo Lexington Black's toes. It would have been better if I had ridden over it while it was possibly on and revving, but just kind of rolling it over his feet was funny enough for me. Like there's a visual there of just like, let's figure it out, baby. Cause I'm not going to run anybody else over in this building. I don't want to get charged. No, it could have gone much, much differently for you. Effie goes back in time into prison. Yeah, I definitely could have. <coughs> Pardon me. I could have caught a charge there for sure. And in the 1920s, they weren't used to motorcycles yet. So was that, was that going to be your defense is that you were acting? You know, I don't think she would have. I think if I would have signed a picture, she would have been okay. But it would have taken a little convincing. Sometimes you got to hook them up, you know. Please don't call the police. They also had a food truck back in time. I guess it's, they used to call them, what, like, uh, I think they used to call them sloppy carts back sloppy in the 1920s. Carts, yeah. They had a sloppy cart there, and I had a sausage sandwich with some, like, chimichurri sauce on it, and it was incredible. But then we had to go back through the time machine. This is where things get weird, Peter. And this is why I kind of brought up earlier about like your history and how much we share here. Because we went to we went to a place called Kalahari afterwards. Have you heard of Kalahari? Like the desert? So there's a desert called that. Is that mm-hmm. not from Mario? Is there a real desert called Kalahari Desert? Mm-hmm. How do you, you spell it? K-A-L-A-H-A-R-I? I believe so. It's in Africa? Uh-huh. All right. Well, it's also an indoor water park resort with full arcade and restaurant bar experience and swim-up tiki bar in Cleveland slash Sandusky, Ohio. Oh, my goodness. With full statues of African creatures. Like, they have three elephant statues that are life-size. They have hippopotamus statues. They have rhinoceros statues that are all life-size gigantic and it's this huge safari theme resort in the middle of ohio and as i really like looked upon ohio like ohio gets a lot of shit you know especially in wrestling it's like fuck ohio most of the time and i gotta say this i think i figured out that ohio is where america drains out from like america starts in ohio and then it spreads out and gets weirder but I think the core of America is like in Ohio and it's, I think possibly inside this African theme park. I think this is where America possibly begins because it was everybody there. It was jumping and we went to the arcade, which I also posted a picture of. And I know I have a gambling problem, Peter, because I was getting the same heart rate vibrations in the Kalahari game arcade spending $20 as I do in a casino. Oh my goodness. And the truth is I love arcades probably more than casinos because it's your wins are very public with the tickets. I am disappointed that basically when I win tickets there and I put them into the ticket machine to swipe to the card, which is like, that's the future system. They just shred the tickets. It's like, I went from like here, I won 700 tickets and let me shred them to my card. It's a concerning sort of, there were too many tickets being won for them to be immediately shredded. I felt very bad about deforestation in a place that was using nature to really advertise itself and build a theme and an environment. Right. Too many tickets. But 
I'm winning left and right. Like I can't stop winning in the Kalahari. I almost called it the casino in the Kalahari arcade. They got a candy bar. You do have a problem. I do. <laughs> I'm halfway through winning. And I said, let me eat this frozen chocolate covered cheesecake on a stick. This is, I mean, you're talking about what I would consider paradise, the Kalahari resort. And it's 10 minutes down the road from, uh, What's the theme park there? What's the big, everybody wants to go Cedar Point, Cedar Point, best coasters in the world, right on Lake, I'm, I think Erie, beautiful, tall coasters, mm. crazy coasters, wooden coasters, experimental coasters. AJ said we can't move to Ohio because oh. I called him and told him how great the Kalahari was. I told him how excited Cedar Point made me, that they had freshwater lakes. He said, we're not moving to Ohio. I said, okay, well. I had my time. I had my fun. I will say by the next day, the incompetence of the Cleveland TSA after my beautiful stay at the Ramada Hotel Cleveland, uh, just just slow, just not – I'm like, I just want to remind them that, like, it's not that serious. Like, But you can't remind the TSA that. Yeah. And nobody wants to hear about, you know, how tough airports are because clearly, like, oh, yeah, you're getting a flight, brother. Like, shut shut up and deal with the TSA. But when it is like all the time, it's like, guys, it's, I could run this better than you. Like, let's get this thing moving. This is, it's outrageous sometimes. By that point, I think I was over middle America at a certain, of a certain extent. I think I'd like, I think my, it was like, all right, well, three days, but I think maybe going back in time made it a little tougher too, because you saw the simpler <laughs> time of day. I did have a good laugh with one of my friends who's a wrestler who is, black and i said this is crazy we're going back in time and he said i just got to make sure we don't go too far and i said god damn you're correct like what a thing to be concerned about that i let my privilege slip somebody on youtube is mad i talked about checking your privilege in the sam roberts interview just to tell you i was like brother we all need to be checking our privilege check it check it yeah, at the door exactly the kalahari gave me privilege though my god I that's was just winning. I mean, that's my argument. Check it to make sure you're not abusing it, and two, you're using it correctly to your fullest advantage. Because it's like there's nothing worse than having privileges and not using them. Yeah. I mean, come on. I like there's a this is a like a weird privilege, but there's a, a an there's an assumption that I'm gonna be uh, that most like white dudes my age are kind of dumb. I think there's an assumption and not like dumb. Like I like, I'm sure you could get a college degree, bro. Like that's not, but we're talking about just like kind of dumb to things around them. And so I will sometimes lean into that privilege. If I need to figure stuff out where I don't mind asking anyone a question where I seem really dumb. Like I, that's beautiful to me that I can walk up to someone and ask something that sounds just like idiotic. Like mm -hmm. where's the train to the place? And they're like, you're, you're standing in front of it. And I genuinely needed to know. And I guess it's not, it's not privilege because I didn't know and I needed help, but I will never, it never concerns me to come to someone and go like, look how dumb I am. Please help. Yeah. Cause they'll go, I know you are dumb. Yeah. I'll help you. Yeah. I'm smart about a lot of things, but I'm also kind of like a giant bumbling idiot sometimes. And that's okay. I can yeah. be both. Yeah. Porque no los dos. Nah, I'm, I'm with you. I would like, I get in that situation and it's like, 
I can just end it right here. Like I don't, I don't have to do any more work. I can go ask this person. Yeah, I'm just gonna go. I'm, I'm not <laughs> like, gonna. I'm not. A, I'm not embarrassed about. I it. I think that was like the American trope for so long, though. That like dad on a trip won't ask for directions. Like why like, though? Why? why does dad not want help? Like she, like the person at this counter probably lives in this area and could help you. And the person working at this airport could help you. And the person like with the MARTA uniform on knows how the MARTA works. Mm-hmm. God bless the MARTA. There's there people. I mean, we like we we assume that like all the information is on the internet, and so it seems that like that's just what you do is you go to the internet. Yeah. But like people have this like deep well of knowledge that they probably don't even know about, and if you can like tap into that, like you get something much deeper. Yeah, the conscious cloud communicates with itself. Yeah, exactly. That's a that's a deep hole to get down. We are all we are all part of the same brain, just talking to itself, figuring mm-hmm. it out. The meaning of life is to communicate. Wow, wow, uh, we gotta talk about the Marta for a second. I just love the I Marta. Love talking about the Marta, <laughs> the Marta is my favorite place almost in the world. There's so much excitement. It is so clean. I'm not BSing anyone. We, oh, we should say what the, that is. Oh, for it is the Metro so, Atlanta yeah. Rapid Transit Authority. They have a beautiful system of buses. They have an extraordinary system of trains. Uh, they go all through Atlanta. I get on. Here's what I wanted to bring up about it because this is, it's happened every single time and I don't get it. And the timing can't always be like this. Every time I start, and I guess I'm starting myself, so I'm choosing to start at this train, I go to Buckhead Station to get to the airport, and I go south, and the train is always arriving and ready to go. And then every time I'm at the airport getting off a plane, getting back to go back home, the Linux train, which is the gold line instead of the red line, is always there picking me up to take me there. So I always end up coming back to Linux Station, but I always start my trip at Buckhead Station. It has been that exact way every time I've been on a plane this year. I've never taken the Buckhead train up. I've never taken the Linux train down, and I don't know why. Hmm. I've either got really particular timing, or there's something I'm missing here where Marta's trying to get me to come to Linux Station from the airport. I don't know. But there's no delay? No. No delay. So I think that might cue more. Pete, uh, how should I say this? People who dabble in, I don't know how to say this without like, this because this. All this, right, I'm going to, I thought we were going to do a whole LA episode, but I'm going to give you this one. See, we're about to get into some real, this, and this I'm telling you, your friend is helping you. With I this. have helpful friends. Let me give you the helpful friend one. Did we, we, did we discuss this on the last one about getting to the show within a minute? Did we mm-hmm. discuss this? No, we had that conversation. We had that conversation, but like people, hmm. How deep do we get? You have transportation help. That I have transportation to help. Line your shit up pretty goddamn well. So I feel that this. I feel that this mystery that you're having is, uh, uh, shall we say, side effect. <laughs> um, what What was that song by? Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't the. Oh, oh, living like I'm living now. What, who is that guy? Who is that guy? Ashanti was the girl. Okay, Ashanti okay. is who I wanted. Um, always on time, not always there when you call, but always on time. I'm always on time. And part of that's gay rushing. We discussed that earlier. Part of that is trusting that I'm going to be there. And yeah, I think I have a little help from a friend. I mean, I made them open the door of a plane and I got on it, but some of that is just a little bit of stubbornness, I think too. 
And I'm pretty good at airports now. Like the constant phrase is like, if I didn't win the amazing race, I'd be embarrassed because I'm so good at travel Uh, and puzzle games. Uh, Thanks to our sponsor this week, Best Fiends. Best Fiends with an R, without an R. Best Fiends, you get to be bugs. It's a puzzle game and I get to spend so much time with the Best Fiends and they are, it's so much fun. Everyone's got it and you can have it too, and you'll be addicted. And sometimes you can't win levels for a few until you lose all your lives because you'll be what's known uh, in, as a pay typhoon where you're kind of stuck in a whimsical circle of disaster. And then you close the game for two days and it thinks you've left it and it'll immediately let you win the level without spending any money or just buy the gold. You can buy unlimited gold. Uh, Best Fiends, find it in your uh, download store now. And that's our sponsor for the week. Really great. Thanks for stepping up, Best Fiends. We don't have a sponsor. I made it up. I, I just wanted to see so. how it felt. I'm wrapping this one up. I think we've. <laughs> I we... think they might be mad if you like give away like the hack to getting free levels. <laughs> to getting free levels, yeah. Just give it up for a second, brother. Like take a break, take a rest uh, on Best Fiends. I feel that they would also disagree with that advice. They're like, no, no, to... but like that's how it works. I know how it works. I've played enough. I've been sitting in airports for years. I know how this works. Uh, okay, they told me I was supposed to talk about my social media at the end so people would know where to find me, but I feel like people are finding this through my social media anyway. <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, which last night I streamed after getting home. This is a Tuesday right now. Uh, Effie lives. All of it. And see, look at the timing. Uh, Effie lives. Check it out, Effie lives. I'm trying to get this on more podcast platforms just so people will find it. But this is, I mean, Weekend at Effie's is about to be. We've left so many little breadcrumbs in this whole episode that like we have, there's a deeper kayfabe to this podcast that will be unraveled over time that I think will keep people coming back. And even on stream, I'm not this casual. This is like easy talk friendship casual. Like we're just chatting, man. We are. And I love it. You're letting me run my mouth a little longer than you, but that's maybe that's what they want to hear. I mean, I will talk my bullshit. You know me, I will talk. I love it. You've got some really intense knowledge that always brings to the conversation. So that's why this is so much fun. I, I, yeah, I, I really enjoy this. Well, if you want to follow me, I am at low sky dance on Instagram. Spell that low L O W S K Y S K Y. And then dances and salsa D A N C E. And I do, I have my own kayfabe going. He has a deep kayfabe that I'm fascinated with. I'm into, we explore each other's kayfabes. That's not, that's like a, that's actually a very objective phrase, you know? Not being a wrestling fan and learning that term, I think was, that's probably one of my favorite things. It can be life cracking for people. Uh, Also, I do, I do want to say, and we'll talk about this more in the future. I really enjoyed the first time you and one of our other uh, close ally friends, Will, were watching wrestling with me and you guys started having a sidebar conversation and it was about lighting and why they were positioning the camera so horribly for what was going on. And it blew me away because we've been in our little wrestling bubble filming wrestling the same way for 40 fucking years. And y'all came in with zero knowledge and said, you know, we have a little knowledge of film and lighting. And there's some easy changes we could do that would make this not look like garbage ass shit. Yeah, it's like. Open the bubble. It's not that crazy. (laughs) It's not that difficult, (laughs) folks. We can make this shit look cool. I think that's it. Word. Alrighty, well, that's it for this week. We don't know how to end these yet. Weekend at Effie's. Yeah, download it. Tell your grandma. Tell your grandma the outlaws are still out here fighting.